Thank you, Luciana, for um, illustrating today's scripture passage, which can be found in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that, were, that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to do what uh, Luciana suggested this afternoon and join her on her Facebook Live program. What was it, five o'clock? Five o'clock? Um, sponsoring Compassion Kids is great. Uh, the young man that Julie and I had been sponsoring for a time just aged out. He's going on to university and into military training. But we have a new little boy, Sebastian, who's three years old. So we're so excited to see him grow over the coming years. He lives in Bolivia, and it's, it's a wonderful experience, especially to get letters from your children. I know others of you sponsor, some of you sponsor multiple kids, but it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And if you have, just to get to know about it, uh, go to Luciana's thing this afternoon. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, as we look into your word, open our hearts and minds for what you have to say to us today. May your spirit move in us to make us be more like you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So for the last three weeks, well, this is the third week, really, we're talking about images of the church in the Bible. Two weeks ago, Pastor Shea talked to us about the shepherd and sheep, the image of shepherd and sheep. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about 
the church as temple. This week, as you've probably surmised already, we're talking about the body of Christ. Now, images are important because much of our experience in life is visual. It's much of how we assert context and build our perception through visual experiences. So this morning, let's play pretend for a minute. Let's just play pretend, okay? Someone has come to you and they said, we are going to paint your portrait. Now think about about how you want that portrait to come out. Are you visualizing now what the portrait of you is going to look like? Are you kind of getting an image of what you're going to be in that painting? Now, I would ask you, is that image that's going to come out in this portrait that our painter is doing of you, is that going to be kind of a mirror image of what you saw when you brushed your teeth in front of the mirror this morning? You did brush your teeth, didn't you? Okay. Uh, Is it just a mirror image of that? Or is it kind of a separate perception? Not exactly like the mirror image that you saw this morning. I'll give you an example. Example of me. My portrait is going to be a little more toward Justin Timberlake and a little less toward Animal of the Muppets. That's my goal in how my portrait comes out. You probably have some goal, too, about how that portrait comes out. Now, the reason I give that example is that Paul gives a very visual image in this passage today, and it really comes at the crux of what we're going to talk about. The passage to the local church as well as the church universal is that the body of Christ is one body made up of many parts. One body made up of many parts. Now, Paul sets the tone and the context with really kind of a clinical medical statement. Okay? As Janet read to us, thank you, Janet, the the body is one part, it's many parts, it's a clear medical statement. Um, And we all understand it. It's easy to understand. He also says that the body is without distinction. He does that through a sociological statement, really. He says there is diversity, but there is no distinction between race and nation, Jews nor Greeks, nor distinction in social status, slave nor free. The one body made up of many parts does not come with separating distinctions. And consequently, we come to the point that's sandwiched by those two images, the kind of medical image and the sociological image. In between that is the important point, the Holy Spirit. The bonding comes to the Holy Spirit. We are all baptized into the Holy Spirit, Paul says. One spirit produces one body. You know, we've, we know in this, from Scripture, in this church, we understand we don't earn our salvation. Our salvation comes through God's grace, through Jesus Christ. We don't achieve unity 
on our own. We can't make unity. Unity comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we find our cohesion as a local body of Christ and as the eternal body of Christ. And I can tell you about Christians I've met in Russia, in Costa Rica, in West Africa, and if you've ever been in those kinds of situations, meeting Christians in, in a completely alien environment, it's amazing to see the bonding of the Holy Spirit and how it draws us together. It's interesting, in John 4, Jesus meets the woman at the well. Remember, and he was in Samaria. People who basically hated each other, the Samaritans and the Jews. And yet, Jesus says to her, I give to you a living water. You drink of this and you will never thirst again. Paul references that here in this passage in verse 13 when he says, you have drunk the water in connection to this baptism. You have drunk the water of oneness there in verse 13. He, in, he, Paul again through the, through the Holy Spirit gives this image of oneness with many parts. So, that having been said, where do we go from there? We go to verse 18 in our passage. If you notice in verse 18, it says, God has arranged the body of the church. Now, the title for my sermon, if you saw it in the, in the bulletin, is a, a typo. It says one if many. It's supposed to say one is many. Although one if many is not bad. But one is many is what Paul is getting at. God has arranged our unity. We are here this morning because God has arranged us. Did you know that? You are here this morning because God brought you here. Some of you are saying, no, I was made to come. But that's not true. God arranged us here this morning. Whether you're, you've been a longtime member of this congregation and this ministry, or whether you're just visiting, God has arranged us together today. Now, the point is, we're all here, and we all belong, and we're all needed. We're all here because we all belong and we're all needed. Now, therefore, our belonging, our being here has purpose. God acts with purpose. What is his purpose? Paul says in another letter to the Ephesians that he says, we are here to prepare, and some version says to equip, we are to prepare to equip God's people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. God arranges us together that the body of Christ might be built up. Foot, foot versus hand. Eye versus ear. All to a purpose. Now, the fact that we are not all the same can also be a challenge of 
letting our weakness show through. Here's what I mean by that. Have you ever been in a church or ever been in a situation where you say, oh, that person, they, they are so talented or they can do such and such. And suddenly you get a sense of envy or a sense of inferiority. I was in a church in Illinois where we were installing a board of deacons, or board of elders, sorry. And, we, and the whole congregation kind of recognized this one guy that they felt he should be an elder. And we went to David and said, we really feel that you are called to be an elder. And his response was, nah, I couldn't do that. Why? I, I'm not good at praying out loud. Now, ultimately, David did become an elder and come to find out he could pray pretty well out loud. The point was, he felt inferior, and it hampered the ministry, or it could have hampered the ministry that God called him to. Envy, inferiority, compromises the oneness that the Holy Spirit seeks to build in us. And so that's why Paul uses the examples that he does, because... Notice those examples. Our hand, our foot, are how we move in the world. It's how we make our way in the experiences of our lives. Our eyes, our ears are part of the senses in how we perceive the world. And it's all of those elements that Paul comes to remind us that our diversity becomes our unity. It's how we get one body. We get one body out of our diversity. Multiple functions, that's where we get the productivity and the power. All of us together is how we get the productivity and the power as the Holy Spirit works within us. If God has arranged us in this way, If he has arranged us thusly, then we need each other. No one, none, is expendable. We belong, and our belonging has meaning. In fact, when the body is without a part, it becomes deformed, or it loses function. My father later on in his life, lost an eye to diabetes. Loved to watch baseball games, loved to play golf, loved to drive, loved a lot of things. All of that, the losing of that eye, changed the whole way in, in how he could function in the world. I played basketball in high school with a guy who had lost his big toe. I didn't think anything of it, but he explained to us that he had to completely relearn his sense of balance because he didn't have that one toe. He had to adjust his whole body because of that loss. Now, that brings us to verse 21 in our passage this morning. We can never say, we don't need you. If we are bonded in the Holy Spirit, we can never say, we don't need you. Nor can I say, I don't need the church. 
the universal church, the local church, however you want to frame it, the Holy Spirit has bound me together with other Christians, and I can never say, I don't need them. I may feel it, and I may want to say it, but it's not truth if I do say it. So, we're baptized into our unity. We're immersed by the Holy Spirit for God's use. You know what? God lifts up those who feel less. Those who feel uncared for or not represented, God upholds and brings forth. Diversity becomes one in God. And that is the lifting up of us together. So therefore, what is our life together supposed to be? Verses 25 and 26, the end of our passage, make this very clear as to what our life together is to be. First, in verse 25, there is no division. Diversity isn't sameness, but yet there is unity. When we seek the Holy Spirit in all things, we will find unity. God is not the author of confusion. A couple chapters from now in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this overtly. For God is not the author of discord, but of peace. God is not the author of discord, but of peace. When we seek the Holy Spirit, and when we allow the Holy Spirit to rule, we will be united automatically because we are together in Him. Now, we function as God has gifted us. We diligently seek God's direction and the unity of the Holy Spirit. And we carry our concern for each other. So in the Holy Spirit, there will not be division. And in the body, in verse 26, going back to that kind of simple medical image, the body is one. Therefore, when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. I have a friend that I worked with for a number of years who suffered from migraine headaches. If any of you have, have suffered from headaches in a regular fashion, you know how difficult that is. Suffered from migraine headaches, and his body, in a bad headache, his body could barely function. His body could barely move, and he could barely think. It was so difficult. And we talked about that several times. When we suffer, we all suffer. But when we rejoice, we all rejoice. In 2016, when the Cubs won the World Series, if you had been in my house, you would have seen amazing rejoicing. It will be the same this year when the Cubs win again. There will be amazing rejoicing. It was a full body experience, let me tell you. It was wonderful. But then I'd waited for 88 years, or 106 years, rather. So I, I was surprised I could move at all. But the point is, we suffer together, and we rejoice together. 
We are suffering with Pastor Chris and his family together today. I don't know about you, but my guess is you have felt some physical suffering for our pastor and his family. But we rejoice as well. Chris said to me yesterday, we had some sweet times. Last time they had prayer together as a family, his dad, David, prayed for the nurses that they would sense God's love and peace in their lives as they cared for him. They had a sweet rejoicing together, even in the midst of that very difficult circumstance. We suffer together, but we rejoice together. And so I ask you this morning, do you ever feel that you don't belong? Do you ever feel that you don't belong? I give you a true word this morning. God has a place for you. Jesus has a place for you. His arms are open to you. Do you ever feel useless? Ever feel unimportant? God has a work for you in his kingdom. God calls us together in the unity of the body of Christ to carry out the work of his kingdom. Everyone belongs. Everyone has meaning. And God has a work for you in his kingdom. It's a wonderful thing. We suffer together. We rejoice together. And we belong to the Lord himself. We never feel useless or unimportant because God has a work for us in his kingdom. And so let this be our working prayer, that we are one in our diversity, but we are also one in our unity in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, you, through your Son and your grace, have allowed us to become your children. Through your Holy Spirit, you draw us together in your body to serve you, to glorify you, and to belong to you and find meaning in our lives. And we thank you in the name of your Son. Amen.